and I hope you uh, feel that uh, even though we apologise for not having a diverse panel, we've got quality here right in front of us. Maybe not quantity, but definitely quality. Uh, so I'm going to get these guys to introduce themselves. They're already talking to each other, uh, using words to affirm, I'm sure. Um, so we're looking at this business of how we use our words. And I loved that uh, cheeky little paraphrase of the proverb that the wise person keeps their mouth shut. And uh, that in itself is, is wisdom isn't it? And we're looking at the Proverbs that were read for us and also looking at the example of Jesus and asking these guys how the example of how Jesus communicates helps them in their day-to-day -day life uh, in his example. So we have Paul. Paul, do you want to introduce yourself? But if I'm quiet, then I'll seem wise if I don't introduce Oh, yes. Yeah. Or a fool. I'm not quite shut. sure which yeah. one. <laughs> Uh, so I'm Paul Duncan. I work for uh, Agape. I'm part of the, the European uh, leadership team. Uh, I'm a dad, a father-in-law, a husband, and an Everton fan, I guess. Which, which <laughs> I mean, as you, you know, all, means you? you have a very difficult life. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ali Beard. I'm a children's speech and language therapist by training. So I've been trained in communication disorders. Um, um, I am a sister, a wife, a mum, and uh, yeah, I work here in Birmingham. Hi, I'm uh, James Tomlinson. I am a dad, a husband, um, a friend, um, and I happen also to be a general practice doctor as well. Brilliant. So we've got sort of three questions to pose to the panel. And the first is about those proverbs that we had read so beautifully for us, those proverbs of wisdom, ancient wisdom that speaks right into the heart of our daily communication. And quite a few of those proverbs talked about less is more, didn't they? Restraint was used, keeping our mouths shut. So my first question to each of you is, how does that help you in the, the work that you do and in your life, that advice to perhaps listen more and say less, that restraint? Shall I go first? Yeah. Since I have the microphone? Yeah, you go first. Thank you, Judy. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so uh, three things, I guess, for me, it's about being curious uh, about active listening uh, and asking questions. And I guess that works out in two different situations. One of them is really easy. So when you don't know what to say, it's really easy to be wise. So in 12 days' time, I'm going to be in Ukraine uh, at the um, Agape staff conference there. So there'll be about 200 staff and kids in the uh, Carpathian Mountains. And... Uh, I'm going to be there. I've got no, well, I, I don't know what, I mean, what do you say to people who've been living 18 months in a war zone? So that's a really easy situation to go and be quiet and just uh, listen. Um, when you know what the answer is, or you think you know what the answer is, that's a lot harder to remain quiet. Um, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had some people around for a meal. There's no one here, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> They might be online. Yes. No, they won't be online. And um, they've just had an incredibly difficult year. And the year's gone from bad to worse. And these people, are, you know, the outcome of this bad year is um, they need to leave the country. So there have been tremendous family difficulties. Um, but as I listened, it was 
obvious that God had given them like, like glimpses of um, him being at work. And I realized I had a choice. And my choice was to say, look what you've just said. You've said this, this, and this, and this. Um, and God is doing this because dot, 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 dot. But surprisingly, I said, um, why do you think God has given you these glimpses? And they were like, wow, we've never thought about that. So just asking mm. a question, they found really helpful. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. And we will be praying for Paul as he goes to Ukraine. We'll do that at the end of this. Ali. Um, I feel, can you just remind me of the question? <laughs> yeah, so how That's do we another use restraints? Using listening. listening and restraints, yeah. Okay, in our day using day. restraints. So, um, so one of the things we're taught in working with people who've got disorders of communication or difficulties is um, always to give them loads of space so, for example, if you're working, if you're having a conversation with someone with a stammer and you think you absolutely know what they're going to say and they're stuck on the word and the easiest thing is to help them out, what you must, and they may be dying inside and lose all the eye contact, what you must do is hold their eye contact and give them time and not finish uh, throwing the word for them. Um, so that is a skill. Also working with children with communication difficulties, you have to watch and follow their lead. So generally these techniques are what we need for all of our life. So restraint is a really, really important thing. Um, and silence. So the value of um, holding, holding back listening and waiting and sometimes I even tell myself count to five if you've ever tried that that's what we did with the whistle didn't we eight just even counting to five is a long silence to hold but more the more you do it the more will often come out if the person has felt seen great and I think for me as a, as a particularly in my role as a, a GP um, I suppose there's two things that come to mind about restraint. One, one is about knowing when to speak and when not to speak, um, and also how much to say when you're, when you're speaking. So particularly if I'm sharing news that I anticipate potentially could be quite life-changing or might be considered bad news by that person who's hearing it, actually taking it step by step and introducing the idea that I have some bad news, that news may be not what they were expecting, then telling them that news, then pausing so there's time for them to take that in before anything else is said. So it's, it's, it's deliberately restraining myself from kind of ploughing forward with what I'm telling them, but also choosing the words I actually use within that and what I actually say. Um, but the other aspect of restraint that I would mention as a GP is actually I would be considered a person of trust. And to be a person of trust, I need to know when something's shared, someone who's speaking to me needs to know that they can share that with me and they know that I'm going to not be sharing that with everyone else around me. And actually, that's not just as GP, that's as a friend as well. Uh, as friends, we need to be people who can be trusted. Now, sometimes there is information that is told to me that I have a duty professionally to share. So I need to know when, appropriately and professionally, I need to, to break that trust or to explain why I can't hold that trust if someone's put that in me, which is the best way to do it. But 
but actually being part of restraint is, is not just sharing everything that's told me uh, with everyone else. That's excellent wisdom from all three of you. Thank you. Um, we're going to hear from one of our young people now. Not that these aren't young, um, but we're going to hear from one of our younger people, um, <laughs> Rowan Bickers, who couldn't be here, but has just done a little film for us about what it is to be a young person in the world, particularly of social media, the permanence of words on there and the impact of words on there. So let's hear from Rowan. Hi, my name is Ronan, I'm 18 and I've just finished my A-levels. I got asked to talk about, in my opinion, the positive and negative impact of social media from a slightly younger person who's like quite involved in it. So I would say there are quite a lot of positive impacts of social media, especially during COVID. We broadcasted Church for One, which is something we still do, meaning if people aren't able to attend, they can still watch and they can still hear and learn all about God, even if they can't physically be there for whatever reason as well as keeping in contact with people. I know for me, especially for my A-levels, if I was stuck at home revising and I couldn't meet my friends, I was able to call them, FaceTime them and still stay in contact and keeping in contact with family that I've got abroad as well. I think people can use social media to raise awareness of issues that they wouldn't otherwise know about because people can put them online, through the news, through videos and people set up GoFundMes that can help raise money for things that they might not else be able to afford which can be really beneficial for a lot of families. I think there are quite a lot of negative impacts of social media as well especially on young people and their self-esteem and the way that they view themselves because the images that they see online that they want to look like the famous people that they idolize aren't real they're photoshopped and they're fake they blur out their imperfections and they photoshop their bodies to look like the perfect figure and they're not actually real which gives young people especially a really unrealistic ideal that they're meant to look like which can get them into some really bad habits because they feel like they need to change themselves to meet that standard but it's not even real i also think that social media can be used as a massive platform for getting away with hating on other people, especially in like secondary school. I know for me, if I ever, I ever had friendship issues, I used to come home and my mum used to say that like, your home is your safe space. You haven't got it all going on there. Like you come home and you're safe. But really social media brings it all into your home, into your safe space because it's on your phone. You can always look at it. You can always see it, read it. It's always there. People hide behind a screen and they don't have to take accountability. They don't really see the, the reaction that they give. And so they don't have to take responsibility. And that's why so many people get away with cyberbullying and carry it on because they don't see the effects that it has. And I think it, it can cause so much harm and damage more than it does saying it to people's faces. So I think in general, social media can be quite good, but it can also be quite bad. It just depends how you use it, really. Uh, the, the wisdom of Rowan uh, there, it depends how you use it. And really that's what we're looking at. How do we use our words to build up and to tear down? And the example we have of Jesus is stunning in this regard. His restraint when he was in front of Pilate, and he could have used all the words in his arsenal, if you like, but he chose to stay silent. There's power in our restraint. There's power sometimes in our silence. But he also used words to bless, to build up. I love what Gerard Kelly says, that he used words that were laced with grace. 
in a culture of legalism. He used these beautiful words that were laced with grace. So back to our panel. How does the example of Jesus and how he communicates? Ali, do you want to go first? How do you find his example helpful in your day-to-day of how Jesus communicates? Um, I think I would pick out, actually, that... um, Jesus always saw straight into everyone's heart and he spoke straight in with understanding. Um, So he didn't throw words out in any meaningless way, only words for impact. And I think the, the, uh, the example for me really of that is that I take away is is listening and understanding people and trying to put myself in their position. Um, and, and of course, we talked about silence, you know, when they brought the woman who'd been in adultery, you know, to shame her in front, and he, he just took some silence, wrote something in the ground, and then he said, okay, who cast the first stone? So he used silence um, as well. I think one of the things that really I notice about Jesus' communication is he uses a lot of questions. In fact, he sometimes answers questions with questions. Um, And I think when I think back to my early days, particularly when I was sharing faith with somebody, if someone showed a glimmer of interest, I would often seem would barge through that open door and want to share as much as I could uh, with that person. Whereas now... I think following Jesus' example, but also actually very much helped by being a GP. Being a GP, the whole art of the consultation is about listening and learning to ask questions and being curious, having professional curiosity to say, well, what's going on here and asking questions? Those two things combined have totally changed how I would share faith with someone in that I would want to ask questions and listen to what the answers are. And then if I've got something to share, try and work out, well, where are they at? And what, what does God want to say into that person at that, in that particular issue or particular thing that they're, they're challenging with? And I see that Jesus did that all the time. He used questions to understand where someone was at, but also to get that person to reflect and to think about where they were at themselves. Really helpful. Thank you, guys. And Paul? Yeah. It's quite hard. Jesus is quite good at asking questions and his use of words. So um, the thing that strikes me is he always seemed not to be in a hurry. He didn't seem to respond too quickly. And, um, you know, it talks about how, you know, he was the personification of a bruised reed. He didn't break a smoldering wick. He didn't extinguish. So this idea of being gentle with you know, you know he commanded storms and they stopped and yet he's able to be gentle with you or me is how do you do that mm-hmm. so i have lots of questions about this yeah <laughs> thank you um the, the final question for the panel and i guess this is something for all of us to think about in our lives we will have had negative words spoken to us about us over us 
that some of us might still find informs how we react, how we behave, and also good words that have been spoken over us, uh, words of encouragement, maybe words discerned by the Holy Spirit where you've been able to share an encouragement. So the power of words we live with in our day-to-day, the good and the bad, the mistakes that we make and the times that others get it right and wrong. So I thought we'd ask you to be a bit more personal now. You've already been brilliant, but just a bit more. How does that impact you, the power of words in your day-to-day? And have you got any examples of that for us? Yes, I do. So there's two two brief examples I want to give. One is a personal example. Um, growing up, my dad certainly loved me, but he wasn't someone who often said that or, or said that he was proud of me. In fact, I can remember the two clear examples that very clearly when he did say that and what that meant to me um, when he said that. But I guess what it has taught me is the importance now as a dad myself of being intentional in, in expressing that to my own children and expressing my love for others around me um, and also my appreciation of them and that I am proud of them. But the other thing as well is being specific about that and actually saying what, what we're proud of so that actually it's really helpful for that person. Um, so that is one, one example. And the other example, actually, many years ago, I was going to um, a country in Central Asia, Uzbekistan. I was really nervous about going. And I'd met with Harry, actually, and we'd prayed together. And he really felt a particular passage in the scripture, Psalm 91, as an encouragement to me that God was speaking to me in that situation. And then a few weeks had passed. It was now the day before I was going, and I was really anxious again about going. And I happened to make it to the evening prayer meeting. And right at the end of the prayer meeting, I was spotted. Everyone knew I was going the next day. So they gathered around and prayed for me. And someone who did not know what Harry had shared um, said, "Um, James, actually, I really feel that God has a word for you. It's Psalm 91, don't forget. And it really struck me that God not only loves us enough to speak his word to us, but also knows that we forget. So he also reminds us of it as well. Thank you, James. Yeah, so I've got a book here. Um, This book is 20 years old. And it's full, though there's still space for more, uh, of uh, (laughs) nice things that people have said, whether I've um, when I'd run a training or the impact I've had on them. And... um, as we, when we were discussing this, this book came to, to my mind. Uh, not because I live in this book every day, but sometimes we forget. Yeah. We forget um, the impact we have on people's lives. So I want to just briefly... Uh, so this is not because I'm really good. Uh, this is because sometimes I just need to remind that I have uh, an impact. And uh, this person said... Yeah, I'm, um, I'm so deeply grateful for you, for your joy and your strength, the partnership that we built. Um, although I've told you this face to face, I want you to have this in written form so you can uh, read it. You know, you created this space for me. You advocated for me on my behalf. You let, my influ- you let me influence your thinking and your decisions. Um, I didn't know this. You know, I just thought this was, I've just been me, I'm making it up as I go along. But it was the, the impact of my words to, um, to Shelley was so much profounder than I could have imagined. And I think it made me realize, I mean, the, you know, words, my words, your words, our words are really powerful. And I think we underestimate 
uh, how we can really bless and encourage people by, you know, just putting your arm around and saying something that's true. Um, or how we can unintentionally crush someone. So I remember the bad story is, uh, I remember when I was 15, so that's quite a while ago, um, apparently. Um, so I used to go and help my dad uh, on the, on the he's a bread man in Liverpool. So I used to go around on Saturdays and help him. And uh, 15-year-old boys are incredibly wise, just so that you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, they, know, they know quite a lot. So I, I made this, I thought, off-the-cuff, incredibly funny comment to a manager in this, in this store. And uh, afterwards, my dad said, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have said that. I meant it really innocently, but it had been a real wrong thing to say. So the fact that it stuck with me 45 years uh, shows it's like, yeah, be slow to speak. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Ali. Um, in terms of personal experience, I mean, I'd probably first say, whilst I know this stuff, I think the people who live with me wouldn't always say that I'm an expert. Certainly, key quote from home would be, Mum, listen and stop interrupting. So we, so just want to... The, the reality of, of the hurly-burly of life is you're not always your best self. But when, but when I do get called out by the kids or by somebody else, um, I'm certainly... Much, I do stop and look at them and say, okay, start again. What are you saying? And then one of them will often say to me, sit down, mum. So she wants me still, she wants me available, and she wants me then. And that is a really, really important thing. So I've learned that from, from uh, being trained um, by teenage kids who need to have someone to talk to. Um, and I and the other my last comment would be the value of apology. Um, so important. Something that I think increasingly Christians are standing out for being the ones who apologise. It's not happening very much, um, and real forgiveness, and that just saying saying sorry, even when you didn't need to, saying sorry and putting yourself in that vulnerable position with someone is immensely good for relationships thank you so much so many wise words from all three of you and uh, just put me in mind as we come to a close and as we start to have some prayer time and response time I was thinking back to a time when I was working with a little lad in prison who hated himself very much, who was uh, quite mouthy, quite chatty to say the least. And uh, we were looking at Psalm 139 in the chapel in the prison. And Psalm 139 talks all about the fact that God designed you, that he thought you up, that he made you, that he put you together in your mother's womb. And he interrupted my reading of it. And uh, I'll paraphrase slightly, but he said, that's lies, miss. That's lies. And I'll tell you how I know, because I was told I was a mistake. Both my parents told me, you were a mistake. And he'd lived his life with that as his mantra. And he said, so in a way, what I do doesn't matter. 
And I said, well, actually, the Bible says God thought you up. He had a plan that was way bigger and higher than any human plan, and that was to put you here on this earth. And I was able to encourage him that he'd made me laugh, he'd made me a drink, he'd saved me a biscuit. He'd done certain things that week that I was able to say, you did that. And I think just seeing the transformation in him... Uh, and we did a copy of that psalm for him to put on his cell wall. He said, I'm going to read that to shape who he is. And I, I don't know what happened, but my prayer for him was that those words would start to replace by the power of God the lie that he had believed that he was ever a mistake. So as we come in response, there are two things that struck us as we were preparing. I think the first is we'd love you to come for prayer Maybe just for a blessing over your life. If you're someone who had perhaps a similar experience to that lad or something spoken over you that in the darker times, in the weaker moments, still keeps coming back, we'd love to pray a blessing over you to perhaps replace that lie with some truth today uh, and pray alongside you. But also the guys mentioned, I think James mentioned, the power of Harry sharing that scripture and then somebody else sharing it, saying, remember. And it may be that you're hungry for a little bit more of the Holy Spirit to help you with your words, maybe to give you the gift of a word of encouragement like that, a scripture, a picture, as we hear often on a Sunday morning. And maybe for you, you'd love to come and just accept prayer that actually the Holy Spirit might use you, however young or old you are, might use you to bring an encouragement, a word that will have meaning and resonance for, for somebody else.